Hi, Bianca. Hi, Claire. Hi, Nar. Oh, welcome to the host dispatch again. You return. Yes, I returned. It's host dispatch part two with Bianca Nusapayas. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, so happy to have you back, Bianca. So excited to talk about your book that you are <laughs> holding in your hands. Thank you. Oh, my god. Gemini gosh. Gospel. Insane. What a metal kick-ass title. I've loved it from the first moment I read it. So oh, that's so sweet. Thank it's you. such a dream come true. Yeah, it really is. It just it feels unreal. I mean, I told you all the last time I saw you that I just feel like, what am I gonna die? Like, am I gonna die soon? Like everything's <laughs> just like happening one after the other. It's all just good shit. And I'm just like really excited. Oh, that's so dark. Okay, so you're you're not gonna die. So <laughs> I totally get it. You're on the up. You've got something called momentum. And Bianca, Claire and I are very confident to say that you're putting in so much hard work Mm. and all of these fruits that are, you know, coming up, (laughs) blooming. Yeah, juicy, juicy fruits. They're totally deserved and warranted. And, you know, there's seasons where you do the hard work and there's not much sprouting and there's no fruits to your labor, but you're, you're in this beautiful season where you're getting the recognition that you wholeheartedly deserve. And we're so lucky to witness. Uh, Thank you so much. And what an amazing metaphor. And so weird too, because I was actually before Gemini gospel, I was going to name the chat book, the good fruit. So that's really weird (laughs) that you use. (laughs) That's a great title too. Well, this is good fruit. And we also need you to title every chat book that comes out forever. There's something almost fruity about your cover too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In the best way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that... It's really appropriate that Gemini Gospel is coming out in the springtime with the cover that you landed on. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. We have so much to talk about, and I just can't wait to dig into the poems, but... Would it be cheating if we started by talking about the cover? Um, No way. Let's go into it. Yeah, I mean... Thank you all so much. I mean, I yeah, it was definitely like a collaborative experience that I'm just so grateful for because I just had always heard about how you know, as the writer, you don't have a say in covers at all. Mm. And so I was really like scared about that with, you know, not necessarily coming into like and submitting it to hosts, but just in general, just scared about what my cover would look like. Um, And so I'm just so happy that it was Anar and you, Claire, like working on it with me. And like, I got to show you my tattoo. I showed a little bit of boob because of that, but that's totally (laughs) fine. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so the cover is inspired by a lot of things um obviously but uh yeah the tattoo that I have um it's a snake with like a bouquet of flowers um snakes are really really important to me as an image because of Gloria Azandua and her theory when it comes to snakes and a snake she felt was her soul animal Mm -hmm. and she would always have dreams of snakes And then I also have a vivid memory of my mom, like killing a snake in the backyard with a shovel. Mm. And that was just like super chingona and like badass. Um, (laughs) And then roses are just my favorite flower. And my dad had a had a rose tattoo on his arm, his forearm. 
that he got um, when he was a corrections officer and he got from an inmate and he like he, he would tell this story all the time. He like he put his forearm through the jail cell and the inmate tattooed it on him. Wow. So like what trust, first of all, to do that and just like such a badass kind of thing. And roses are what my dad would give to me like on my birthday. Um, and I have another rose tattoo on the same placement as my dad, but it's white mm. ink to kind of be like a, a mirror, like a reflection of his very dark rose on his forearm. And then three little blood tears. Um, three is a big number for me, just spiritually, like the Holy Trinity. Um, three is also my favorite number. Tercets come out a lot in my poetry. And obviously blood tears because grief is mm. is hard and yeah. is very visceral. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. I was going to ask mm. you to break down each element and you were just already <laughs> on top of it. I was there with you. Yeah. And I'll just add that, Anar, you had this genius idea of taking the snake image and giving it a head on each end. So mm. also reflecting the idea of twinship in, in Gemini. Exactly amazing genius yes i do you know as a as a mother of art i i can't pick favorites i love all of the covers we make um yes and most of them do have a very collaborative element to them but i would say that this was the most collaborative cover that i've put together um you know i did the mock-ups but having that day where you came to the office and <laughs> we really just locked it um yes it was so much fun it was such a joy you showed me all of your tattoos <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. it was a blast but I will say like you did early on in the process create this really wonderful mood board of mm. colors and textures and images that resonate with you and you have this like rare aesthetic of like gothic princess almost <laughs> I love that yeah. like an underworld queen and <laughs> that was so much fun to explore and to play with and it's mm -hmm. like yes pink but also yes blood <laughs> it was like yes flowers but yes a two-headed snake and mm, I love like you put together a list of typography that resonated with you. And mm. it was like glamorous, um, just so much fun to explore typography that mm. I otherwise don't get to play with. It was truly a joy to to bring this together. Yeah. And I just want to shout out Pinterest real quick. Pinterest was my my girl during this whole process I mean you all are my girls but like Princess was my other girl she's great oh uh, well of course we love the way that mm -hmm. the cover it just looks amazing but I also love just how mysteriously and how well it ties in with the work itself mm -hmm. and we know your work so well at this point and this specific little chat book was something we also collaborated with you on pretty heavily in terms of selecting which poems would be included in it. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, I'm curious if, A, you could 
describe for the listeners what this particular chapbook is all about from your perspective, what it kind of means to you, but mm-hmm. also how does it feel to see these poems together since it wasn't the way you originally had collected your own work and we kind of helped you with that process? Is it becoming kind of um, a more solidified idea or, mm. or set collection in your mind as well? Yeah. So I'll start with that last question because it kind of started in my MFA. Um, that's whenever I started writing most of these mm-hmm. poems that are now in, in Gemini Gospel. So I have a full-length manuscript of 48 poems that are my thesis, and that is titled Blessed Be the One Who Cries Wax. Love and that, that one, also shout out to Cyrus Cassells because he, mm. he helped me with that too. And so I gave my thesis over to Cyrus and it was the poems in alphabetical order because no way was I going to decide what order it was going to be in I just like could not do it and and he sent it back to me because he's he was my thesis director and my current mentor and he sent it back and it was split up into three parts and that just like blew my mind I was like that makes so much sense Mm -hmm. and so Gemini gospel then is one of the parts of the full-length manuscript And that's what I sent to y'all. And so it's interesting to see, like in my head, I have my thesis manuscript as a whole. And then Gemini Gospel is like its little baby from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the manuscript, the first part is about primarily spiritualism, family, culture, my like Latina-ness. And then the middle part is primarily about my grief and my dad. And then Mm -hmm. the third part is more like mythology, kind of more of those like darker images. And so I knew that when I wanted to submit a chat book and specifically to submit one for you all's contest, the middle part just seemed like it had its own arc in and of itself Mm. with like the grief playing in all different sorts of avenues in my work. Um, and so that just felt like it was cohesive too. Yeah. So um, so that's what I sent you all. And that's Gemini Gospel. Even though I saw an arc too, but then when I sent it to you all, you like saw an even thicker arc or something. And I was like, <laughs> well, I didn't even notice that. Um, yeah. Thank you all too for like working with me on like kind of creating the different, you know, like, okay, this goes first and this one after that and this poem after that, like it was, it's very different from what I sent you all, which is just like, I am so grateful. But yeah, Gemini Gospel is essentially all, all the poems, at least so far, because I know I will write more of my dad and the grief that I experienced over the course of these two years that I haven't had him in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of images popping up in these poems that are obviously him and his like machismo-ness and um, how that plays a role in how I see my relationships with like my romantic relationships because those are other people that other men that I love too you know like that kind of thing Um, and then Gemini I started just getting more involved with my zodiac sign because I was just noticing that my grief just felt so big And I was like, I feel like this has something to do with my being a Gemini. I mean, grief is so big in and of itself. But me experiencing it, I was just like, 
fuck like this could swallow me whole like I'm just a I'm just grief Mm. like I'm walking grief like that's it grief is just so different from person to person um and it was just like like a complicated way that I was thinking of my dad in that way because I was also going through therapy and noticing the parts of myself that loved my dad and hated my dad um hated the way that he would treat me sometimes and how he would talk to me and how that's played a role and how I'm like a people pleaser now and how I like I'm I have a fear of abandonment all these things that I just wish I didn't have um but also like I miss my dad and I even miss those parts of him too and so that just felt that duality is just like being like Gemini yes (laughs) yes So yeah, and then obviously Catholicism playing a big part because I had a lot of guilt because of how I was feeling about my dad and Mm. Catholic guilt is a real one. And so just thinking about that too. So so yeah, so you'll kind of see that progression in this book is kind of like me in the midst of that grief. And then slowly starting to see the beauty in grief. And then I have a poem in here called uh, For Nick where because I started seeing Nick, um, it was probably a little bit after the first year that I didn't have my dad. And I just kept on thinking like, I wish my dad had met Nick, like it would have been great. And just like finally feeling happy after like a year or so of just feeling like unbelievably depressed. Mm -hmm. So that felt like the turn, the turn in the book too. Wow. Thank you for that. That was a beautiful Mm -hmm. summary. There's a lot going on in this book, and I know grief anchors it all in a way, but it was so fun to help you put it in a certain order and think about, Mm -hmm. I love how you said it, a thicker arc. (laughs) It felt like (laughs) that. That's awesome. I'm taking that. (laughs) That arc felt so important um, in taking us on a little a little journey that landed us in poems like for Nick, which yeah. we're going to have you read a couple of poems later so we can get some mm-hmm. concrete examples for the listeners. But but yeah, there was so much variance and so many surprises you know, mm. from poem to poem that it, it was just a lot of fun yeah. to kind of put it together like a puzzle. This is why the, the episode that's before this one on the hostess patch, we talk about submissions and having other people read your work is such an important Mm. element to sharing it because it is really hard to tell your own arc and if it's reading that way to others because we sit with the work for so long but Mm. it's something that we we love to do um it's one of our favorite parts of the process yeah and I can tell I can tell it felt like y'all took the time with my work was just like I mean, I don't know. It surprised me because I feel like I'm just getting a lot of other people telling me what it's like to be working with editors and publishers. And then mm. it, it just felt so good to y'all are just like, it's just, it's a good experience. A hundred percent. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It is the beauty of being kind of feral. Like <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe taught us, you know, everything he could teach us. But at the same time, like Claire and I came in kind of as like, wild people and <laughs> gave people what we we would want so we give our authors how we would like to be treated mm. and so it is hard to and disappointing to believe that that people aren't 
obsessed over the work they're publishing and like living and breathing it. And just kind of going back to what you were saying about your grief and the arc of the chapbook. Um, I think I mentioned this to you in person, but I will say it again for listeners is that when we accepted Gemini Gospel, it was incredible work. We were excited to work with you. We were excited to publish these poems. But, you know, Joe passed soon after we accepted your publication. And these poems kind of became my gospel. And seeing how (laughs) grief being a new thing that completely consumed me as well. But it Mm -hmm. felt so comforting to work on this chapbook. and really sit with these poems for as long as we did as I was like moving through this very complicated, hard grief. Mm. But yeah, I think what what I hope is that, and maybe this is something that you hope, is that this will be supportive or really resonate with people who yeah. have been struggling as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been having people like message me on Instagram or Facebook or like texting me and being like, thank you so much for writing this. I just lost my dad a few years ago, or I just lost like my mom or I lost a family member. And, and I think that this will help me or just kind of along those lines, getting those messages is just like, this is why I do it. Community is a huge part of why I write. And the fact that people are like, I find a community in you and your writing. Mm. I could like, I really like, you know, I joke about like that I'm going to die soon and I really could die and I'd be happy. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So even that and you telling me that Anar and of course, you know, me knowing about uh, Joe's passing. I mean, yeah, uh, grief has a funny way of being contagious in that way too. But it also is, it's just so comforting to know that like somebody else is grieving alongside you. And that's beautiful because that just makes us human. Beautifully said. Thank you. I've been thinking about grief a lot. So I feel like I just, um, I'm getting the chance to now voice all these things. Too. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's nice. It's comforting. Yeah. And you voice them in the poems in such striking ways. Um, I, I pulled a little line that I wanted to to share on the mm. podcast that I love about grief because I had a little feeling we might be talking about it um, at some <laughs> point. But from the poem, You Without You, I was really struck when I first read these lines and I still love them for their simplicity and trueness. Um, mm. The poem says, it's not easy to remember to water the plants, to shower and to forgive the body. And yeah, You're right that we all grieve differently, and it's comforting to know that there are other people out there who can share in these feelings of grief. But there's something also so universal about it. Those lines really felt universal to me, that it's it's when it's difficult to do the basic functioning tasks of being alive, um, and then to forgive yourself for that. And not just your grieving mind and heart and soul, but your body as well. What felt really, really true to me. And I love those lines. Thank you. So my dad passed away from COVID, you know, in the midst of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I know exactly where I was when I wrote this poem. I wrote this poem at my desk in my cabin in San Marcos. It was a studio cabin and my back porch um, looked out to like, like a empty field. And so it felt like super secluded, even though I was like maybe walking distance from Texas State University. But I just felt so like my dad had passed. I couldn't be with my family because of the pandemic. And I just felt so lonely. So not only was I like dealing with grief, but I was also thinking like, oh, I don't have to be anywhere. Like I don't have an event to go to because we're all on lockdown. I don't have to take a shower. But then it was like, well, I'm also like I'm human and I feel like I'm feeling less human because of this grief and because of this pandemic. I'm just it's so hard to take care of my body right now, man. You know, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it was hard. (sighs) Mm -hmm. So. We see a lot of community and family and connection within the pages of Gemini Gospel, but we're also seeing it like your brother Hector did the playlist, Um, Cyrus Cassells does the introduction. We're seeing a massive response to (laughs) pre-orders. Do you want to talk about community and what it means to you to build a literary community in your local area? Yeah, so community is like a big, big thing for me. Um, In Hector was my community when I was born. (laughs) Like (laughs) Hector was also being my big brother. He was in a lot of ways like another father figure to me. Um, And he'll be the witness at at my wedding. And he was like the one that got me into horror films and the images in horror and scary movies. And um, the way he talks about music is just the way I talk about poetry. And it's pretty fucking awesome. Mm. Um, And then Cyrus, I mean, I love to talk to him. And he's just a genius when it comes to talking about spirituality. Because spirituality can feel so big that you lose yourself in it. Um, But he's really good about like talking about it in a way that like just feels like I can understand it. And he just has, like, he's been in this, like, poetry business for a long time. And he has connections that I can only dream of. And to even, like, be considered one of his students is just, like, a thrill in and of itself. And with him being my thesis director, I just knew that I wanted him to speak on my my work. Um, Because he knew my work very intimately. And I was also in one of his workshops at the same time that I was literally in the heart of the grief like my dad had just Mm. passed before the fall semester and that like Cyrus's class was one of the ones I took in that semester and he was just so patient with me and my work and I am grateful beyond belief and then when it comes to community like in a very like physical sense in like where I live if I don't feel a sense of community in where I live, then I know I'm not in the right place because Mm. it just, it has to be that easy for me. I'm very extroverted and it's very easy for me to like be in conversation with any type of person or like any, anyone from any walk of life. Like, although my favorites are, (laughs) my favorites are like a women in like their seventies and (laughs) eighties. Like they're just fucking cool. (laughs) Love that. I just feel like they're they're just so badass and they like they don't give a shit and I, yeah. I aspire to be that way. Same. I love a crone. <laughs> love a crone. Exactly. And so now that I'm living here in Smithville at the Clark House for this residency that thank you Texas State for for allowing me to do this. Yeah, I'm just finding a sense of community here where it's like 
primarily women, like, and like I'm saying, like 60s, 70s, 80s, and they are activists, like to the max when it comes to the Mm. literary arts. Like I hosted a band books meeting on Sunday here at the Clark house. And the way these women were talking about like our education system and how we should do something about it. And this is what we're doing. We're talking about ocean vongs on earth. We're briefly gorgeous. And I was like sitting there in the dining room table of the Clark house and just like looking around. And I was like, yep, this is, this is my life. Like, I love it. This is Mm -hmm. amazing. Like I always imagined myself being in a room filled with fucking cool ass women in particular and talking about the literary work. That's amazing. And yeah, they like my neighbors, they come and they have coffee with me and we like sit on the porch and it's just, it's good. I, I love talking with people. And I think that's part of my Gemini-ness too, like bringing that back because yeah, because I'm like, I'm like, I'm so grateful for whether or not it's my primarily my Gemini-ness or just my personality as a whole. Like, I'm just so grateful with the amount of energy I can put into a conversation to the point that I get the same energy back. That's just so cool. Totally. And I'm very grateful for it. And so now I know that I have the capacity to create community anywhere I go. So now that I have that superpower, I'm just taking it with me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) It is a superpower. And yeah, like the response to your pre-orders is indicative of the community and the support that you've built. And it's really lovely to see. I'm really excited. It's going to be a intense <laughs> week packing orders, but yeah. it's really exciting. It's really thrilling. I know. Yeah. And I, I wanted to say thank you so much for bringing that up again, because thank you all so much. And I'm talking to the listeners here, whether or not you've already like pre-ordered or not, like that's amazing. But to those that have pre-ordered, like that's fucking <laughs> insane. It's just so cool. Like just, yeah, again, I think it's very, like you mentioned, like indicative of uh, the community. And, you know, I'm getting people that are messaging me and they're like, I know that they're not poets. They're not like in the the literary community like we are necessarily, but they're like, I'm buying your book. I'm like, that's yes. so cool. I love it. Everyone needs to, to read these beautiful poems. Yeah. They're really powerful. The poems are just as magnetic as you are, Bianca. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> I'm I'm here to talk about how charming and just wonderful you are. And you know, that's <laughs> that's such a gift to us. Like that really energizes us and you're you're just such a joy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Ugh. I want to backtrack all. a little bit, if I may. Yeah. Um Back to the poems in Gemini Gospel. Okay, so part of what we do here at Host Publications when we get a new manuscript is asking our authors who they're reading, who do we have to study in order to connect Mm. with your work the most we possibly could. And so, yeah, my question would be like, who would you recommend people who enjoy your work and they're waiting on your next book? Who should Mm. they read? to surround yourself with your inspiration and kinship. Totally. Yeah, I love that. And as soon as he started asking that question, like my mind just flooded with names. <laughs> so for sure, Audrey Lord, Gloria Zandua, you know, Carmen Maria Machado and the way that 
Carmen like can write about horror is really cool to me. Mm. Um, Olivia Gatwood, like she started off as a slam poet. And so the way that she writes for the page is really amazing. And so that's kind of what I aspire to do. Um, Melissa Lozada Oliva, amazing poet, person, reader. I love the way she reads her work. Um, Adrian Matika, also a great person. And he has so much voice in his poetry. Um, yeah. And I love that. Naomi Shabab Nye, obviously, for just her angelic personality off the page, but also... <laughs> The way that she does line breaks is something that I aspire to to do. Hmm. Oh my gosh, uh, Grady Hendrix, amazing um, novelist, also writes about horror, and I can I read his stuff like in a heartbeat. I I literally uh, read one of his books in like twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. My God, um, Jane Wong, I just met and started reading um, amazing stuff. She also writes a lot about culture and food. Um, Victoria Chang writes about mm-hmm. grief a lot mm-hmm. and I love that yeah I mean I can go on and on but those are the ones that are just like off the top of my head yeah kind of your like current little constellation yeah exactly oh I yeah. love that yeah exactly that's amazing what a great list and some names that I'm not familiar with in there so I'll definitely be making a list um, that people can find in the show notes cool. if they want yeah. to explore Please. but I'm also going to be getting some books probably yeah so thanks yeah awesome i also have been reading up on the mythology of guadalupe which is the indigenous version of the virgin mary um and so that plays a big role in my work on all levels yeah yeah Yeah, i'm i'm curious to hear more about that if you have more to say bianca i'm curious about who is that figure to you and what is she, what does she mean in your poems? And, mm-hmm. and is, is she more of a spiritual figure or is she more of a mythological figure or some combination maybe? Yeah, so definitely a combination of those two things, spiritual and mythological, because Guadalupe as a as a story, right, like as as what I've been told when I was growing up is that she was the mother of Jesus and and she kind of showed up and she showed herself as in like an indigenous woman with um with roses. Mm. And that's just so beautiful to me. She kind of personally, she re- represents divine femininity and motherhood and forgiveness. Mm. And so over the years, um, you know, my grandma, her name was Maria after after the Virgin Mary. And then Yeah. And so that plays a huge role in how I think of my family and the women figures in my family. My mom and all her siblings are named after saints. Um, So my mom, like she goes by Janie, but my mom's real name is San Juanita. And then one of my tío's name is actually Guadalupe after the Virgin Mary as well. And so that just like when I see the Virgin Mary, when I see Guadalupe as a figure, I just see family. Mm. I, I see her. And I have a shrine of hers here at the house. Um, and I I don't pray to anyone else other than her and the moon <laughs> is what I like to, <laughs> how I like to think about it. Um, because the moon also represents divine femininity to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, so in my work, I just think that she's just a powerful, like when you were talking to Nara about like gothic, goddess <laughs> like that's how I think of the Virgin Mary and so that's really cool that I that I have that aesthetic because I feel like that's her playing a role in that 
And then, yeah, I just feel like I just see her. And when I see murals of her, like in the community, on the facades of walls, I'm like, okay, I'm my people are here. Like, that's what she also means to me is community. And I'm also removing the Seguin um, in a few months. And Seguin is in the Guadalupe County. And I just, when I found that out, I was just like, I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to do this. Like she's she's talking to me. <laughs> and I honestly feel like I was thinking about this too. And I'm like, everything that's been happening, everything good, it's because I started being very intentional about the shrine that I have for her, you know, like incense around it and cleansing it. And I feel like when I started doing that is when all the good stuff has been happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it represents a lot of like spirituality and belief for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's almost a yeah. witchiness to her in your poems that I oh, really love. 100%, yeah. yeah, the combination of of those more traditional forms of spirituality, but that still have these interesting relationships to their indigenous manifestations and how that kind of feels deeper or like more entangled in mm. something that is very, very moon connected, almost pagan in a way. Um, yeah. Like it's, totally. it's all part of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely, when I cleanse her shrine or pray to her, it doesn't feel religious to me at all. Like it feels yeah. definitely, I'm like, I'm doing some bruja shit right now. Like, <laughs> um, So that's cool. Like I'm doing some witchy stuff. That's cool that that comes off that way because Catholicism, I love for its images and its motifs. Um, I hate for its controversies and its other bad things. But I do love the way that Catholicism, its images, art and sculptures are just so like larger than life. Yeah, like going and visiting like basilicas, like churches, Catholic churches, it's like you're walking into a gothic movie and it's just so dark and dingy and there's just like candles everywhere and you're like okay like I feel like I've gone to the underworld but yes it's freaking me out because there's like Christ is over there looking at me it's just weird <laughs> but I love it I love I love that feeling it's like not bittersweet but it's like this really weird feeling where you get both the good and the bad so it's either or or neither it's really it's again Gemini yeah and there's an importance it seems like a spiritual importance placed on the objects like mm. you were talking about the aesthetics, but also for me, it's like all these objects come to mind. Um, mm. Like I won't know the specific names for a lot of things, but like the the incense and the and the mm-hmm. things that hold the incense, and like you said, all the candles, mm-hmm. all of those aesthetic objects feel very important. And it's very similar for like a pagan practice where it's like, yeah, I'm using these elemental things to sort of manifest some kind of magic or connect to the divine. I think that's yeah, it's a similar goal. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's really interesting, too, because whenever the Spanish came to Mexico, obviously there were already like indigenous practices there. Right. And so really what the indigenous people had to do is kind of make it seem like they were practicing Catholicism to appease the Spanish, but they were actually like practicing their own religion or their own spirituality and so I feel Mm. like that's where the start of brujeria like as I know of it is because it's so entwined with Catholicism with that aspect of like the indigenous spirituality that is really interesting yeah my god I need you to give a lecture on this (laughs) like a full-blown workshop um this is really fascinating 
I could nerd about this all day. Yeah, I can nerd about it it for sure. Uh, Yeah, when we first read Gemini Gospel and and then got to meet you, there was this uh, sense that you were like almost familiar with tarot or that you were definitely mm. had some of those pagan rituals that Claire and I have adopted and enjoy. <laughs> um, and we were really surprised, but you know, now, now it makes sense where that influence was coming from. Mm-hmm. They're like sister, sister practices mm-hmm. in ways. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Bianca, I would love for you to read us a poem from Gemini gospel. Oh, I would Are you love up for to. that? Oh my gosh. Yes, of course. Okay. A poem of your choosing. Okay, cool. Bettis women have always been beautiful. Bettis women have always been beautiful in their act of taking apart something to make a new thing, a shedding my skin feasts on. I see my face in the tearing of a soft tortilla. It's all about amor here. Roll the tortilla up con amor. Drown the tortilla in oil, con amor. Flip it over, con amor. Today, my flautas do not burn. Today, I'm reminded that I'm my grandmother's flesh. Hot oil pops onto my thumb and I don't wince. This is the way to loving my body, to breathing the burns on my fingers, my wrists, my palms. Each burn a time I cooked a meal for myself sat down at the dinner table with myself, passed the salt to myself, blessed my food the same way my grandmother did. I love that. Such a perfect introduction to the book. That's always a fun one. (laughs) That is women's chingonas through and through. (laughs) Okay, this next one is titled, What I Will Not Tell My Grandmother. What I will not tell my grandmother, despite my mispronounced devotion and the echo of something extranjera in the cave of my throat, I speak to the saints in Spanish. They understand me perfectly. In my mouth, locusts hum a gospel. Swarming in the dark, they roll my estranged tongue onto itself. I let them. My tongue finally wraps around my neck a bleeding muscle slithering, tempting silence. Soon I will become the pray to saint, holding la luna below the Virgin Maria's bare feet. Candles like secrets crackling in my ears burn quietly. As the wick turns black, I recite the prayers in whispered confession. The saints will listen if I speak the language that my grandmother taught me over the comal. In sainthood, I revel. The sheep follow me through fields of burning bushes, and their blind faith scorches along with everything else. The stench of my unraveling trails in a horde behind us. I am closer to a heaven I cannot name. One day it will arrive on its knees with my grandmother's voice in palm, sounding like all the times she blessed me out the door. Wow. Yes. Mm, that was a good pairing too, I feel like. Yeah. Grandmother's blessings. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um and I think I'll probably read one for my for my dad. Yes. Yeah. 
I'm going to read the one that I read actually at his funeral. And it's one of the first ones I ever wrote after, after he passed. Hearing, an elegy. The hearing is the last take go, they tell us. But we have stopped listening to anything other than his body breathing. Next to me, I hear my mother promising to love beyond this world, and my face is wet and hot and hurting. I hear my father's laugh and the echoes of some memory. Mi reina, mi huera, his ghost in my ears. We have begun to play his favorite songs, the ones he always sang the wrong words to, but no one cares about that now. The last thing we hope he hears is the ocean and the sound of his boat's hull hitting a small wave and the seagulls. God, I hope he hears the seagulls. Oh, yeah. good job. <sighs> thank you. Thank you. That That one is like the most probably like the most visceral of I don't know that one is like that one paints the scene of of the last time I saw my dad like just so vividly um mm -hmm. because we weren't able to see we weren't able to be with him physically because of the pandemic and so yeah we had to, we we watched him die over FaceTime um the nurse put up like an iPad for us and we just you know all we saw were was him in bed um, and I was with my mom and my brother in San Antonio at my brother's apartment. And because they, yeah, they told us that um, he was only able to hear. He couldn't talk anymore. And so my, sorry. Um, it's okay. My brother started playing a playlist that he had made of his favorite songs because um, my brother and my dad were DJs in the Valley. Um, so they would play at quinceaneras and weddings and parties and all of that. So my dad and my brother, like that was, that was their love language to each other was, was music. Um, and so we were playing these songs for him. And yeah. So that, that poem is just like super close to my heart because of that. What a beautiful send off, just yeah. an a, amazing and gorgeous way to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. And I think your poem is, you're right. It's such a, it's such a, a vivid snapshot of that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just beautiful to behold. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I knew I was going to cry during this episode. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we we usually do Bianca <laughs> and we usually have less of a reason to so <laughs> you know you're doing just fine <laughs> that's funny no this is good I I love to cry despite yeah. other people's opinions of crying I I love I love crying <laughs> yeah <laughs> when we're oh. coming together with an idea of where this poem should land in the manuscript. It was so right to be at the very end, the last, mm. the last of what people read as the manuscript, as the poems. Um, and then at the end here, we've got these really beautiful photos of mm. you and your dad. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I think I was going to sleep one night and I was like, Oh, <gasps> Um, like my, my people need to see my dad. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So the top photo is my dad and I, man, I'm, I must be like three or four or something. Um, and it's from a, like a photo booth photo of us. And yeah, my, my dad's smile was something else for sure. Um, and, um, he was so funny. Um, and then the, the one right below is, um, is him on one of his birthdays and, um, yeah, he has a crown on his head. El Rey del Mundo, the king of the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're both great photos. Yeah. No, thank you for, for being able to uh, include them. I think that that was just so nice. Um, so thank you. You're right. It's perfect. It's a perfect way to end the book. Mm. Oh, I just, I love the set of poems that you read for us, Bianca. It really pulls through that arc mm. you read from the very first poem a poem right in the middle and the very last poem mm -hmm. they're all different but the family connection that hardcore spiritual connection to family the way those are braided together sure. and totally inseparable in your poems mm. really comes through and yeah just lovely lovely images throughout i'm charmed <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is good. This is also like I'm doing this right before I go on to a, a flight to Seattle for AWP and like feel like I'm getting a, an amazing send off. So thank you for that. I'm going to miss Texas extra hard because of this. Yes. Unfortunately, this won't come out before AWP, but we hope that you meet a bunch of really great people and you are taking copies, advanced copies yes, with you. So if you can time travel after hearing this, mm -hmm. <laughs> go find Bianca. Um, but we're going to be celebrating Gemini Gospel here in April. So April 8th, we'll have mm -hmm. folks joining us here at the host office for a big old Bacchanalian mm -hmm. party. <laughs> Probably be <laughs> not too wild, but um, and then we'll be celebrating Gemini Gospel in San Antonio at Poetic Republic. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'm excited. And that'll be on the 29th. And yeah, OK, so I'm already diving into the closing notes, but. <laughs> A question that I really like to ask our authors, what is the ideal space that yes. someone could enjoy ooh. Gemini Gospel in? Oh, that's, ooh, I love that. Um, if you could go into a church where it's just quiet and it smells like, like that, you know, that smell of incense, you know the smell, and like wood and... And you know that nobody's going to come up and start talking to you about God. Um, you know, it's just like, it's, you know, it's just going to be you in there. And you take a seat in the in the back pew with like a scene from like Revelations behind you in a sculpture form. That would be cool. Um, it's maybe like 6 p.m. on like a Saturday and the light is like peeking through the stained glass windows at like the perfect, you know, angle. And it's like a little bit of the yellow of the stained glass is like hitting your eye. And like a little bit of the red and blue is also hitting the book. Um, and then while you're reading one of the poems, um, an organ starts playing um, and it catches you by surprise. Yeah. And then and then you read you read the book in one sitting. 
on that like wooden pew. And then, and then as you go out, you kind of cross yourself with some holy water. That would be that. That'd be great. Is the perfect. <laughs> I scene. love that so much. <laughs> I've never thought about this before, but that would be the way I would love to read my book. Shit. Oh my god! I imagine though, right after I cross myself with the holy water, that I walk down the street and I find a dive bar, and there's like oh. some kind of kick-ass punk band playing or something, mm. and I walk in and take a shot of tequila. Hell yeah! <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. Amazing. Yeah, you got to have the vices in there after the church. Well, sure. and you, you can pour a little out if you feel so inclined, if that's part of your spiritual practice. Yeah, or you can take a little <laughs> bit of the holy water with you, put that in with your tequila, splash it down, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you for curating that gorgeous. I felt like I just did a meditation. <laughs> the best answer yet. No, I was just kind of like, I was staring out the window and like this image was coming to me so vividly. And I'm like, yep, that's, that's the answer. It makes perfect sense. (laughs) Uh, We are going to continue to plug your launch parties in April, Bianca, and the details will all be super findable in the show notes and elsewhere. But We know you have a podcast yourself called Basement Girls, a horror podcast with Steph Grossman. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before we say goodbye? Um, Oh, my gosh. I just want to I just want to plug in some love for (laughs) for everybody that has even like even thought about like, huh, I should probably pre-order that deserves some love, too. Yeah, I just want to I just want to love on everybody so far that has like been has been talking about Gemini gospel and has been like messaging me about it, about how excited they are. Like, that's just so you have no idea. Like, I literally have dreamt this for like ever. And the fact that it's happening. But I also didn't dream about like how much love and support I would be getting. Like, for some reason, my like 10 year old mind just didn't (laughs) think that far ahead. And so that feels really good. So, so thank you all so much. Thank you, Bianca. Thank you for joining Mm -hmm. us. Thank you all. Yeah, so fun to talk to you always. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs)